Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and this week we are celebrating the 12th anniversary of The Kelly Alexander Show. We are very excited and very thrilled to have been around for so many years and have released over 430 episodes. And my team and I definitely want to take a moment to thank you for your continued support and encouragement. We appreciate it so, so much. And now we are back with some new interviews. Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Alessia Cara joins us this week talking about her latest album in the meantime, as well as the importance of mental health and her wish list of collaborators. Up next is Juno Award-winning recording artist, author, and actress Jan Arden talking about season three of her hit TV show, Jan, and working on her new album. And then we wrap things up with Canadian DJ and producer Takis chatting about his burgeoning music career and his hit song with recording artist Jamie Fine called All Time. Follow us on Twitter at KAlexander Show. So happy show. to welcome back to the show Grammy Award winning Canadian artist Alessia Cara. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am fantastic. So happy to have you back on the show. Uh, so many things going on with you. First of all, I wanted to ask you I think since you took off, I remember interviewing you just after uh, Here like went bananas and you came to Montreal and I interviewed you, I think in 2016. And then it just seemed like you have been on this ride ever since. And probably you only got to slow down when the world went into lockdown last year. So I'm just wondering when that all happened, when everybody had to sit at home, were you able to kind of look back over the last five or six years and enjoy and maybe take in all the success that you've had? Yes, absolutely. Like I remember just like going through my life and I don't know, just, I think like when you're kind of doing this so young, you kind of, it kind of just happens so fast that like you don't even really get to process it. You sort of go through life in this overwhelming like tornado of things. And then it's not until you have like that halt to like you, you where you really realize like how much you've actually done, if that makes sense. And so I think like this last year was just like a year of processing genuinely like everything and also like remembering not to take it for granted because I think you know when you go through the motions of it you get exhausted you get overwhelmed and then when you stop you're like wow like I got to travel the world and yes it was exhausting but it was amazing you know and it makes you just want to go right back and start all over again and I feel like now going into this next wave I'm way more excited you know about doing it again because I've had that time to not have it and realize how exciting it actually is so definitely a new perspective for sure it's interesting because I follow you a lot on social media and uh, I've seen like this new kind of and I don't know if it's new or just renewed joy in you now that the new project's going and maybe it is because you had that time off to kind of rejuvenate and get ready to rock with this next project totally yeah and and honestly it's a huge chunk of it is that for sure and I think another part of it just I don't know it has to do with just like me healing a lot like personally not only things with my career but just in my life I went through a super difficult time with my mental health in the last year I'm sure as we all did to some degree and I feel like I'm just excited and happy to be out of that to be honest like once like I just didn't feel like I was ever going to come out of that it was that bad and now that I am it's just like I can finally like exhale and I'm just like I'm just so happy I'm not there anymore I'm just ready to like do life again and do it properly you know so again there's just like a new perspective I feel like I'm coming out and like shedding skin you know 
I noticed a lot of the comments on Twitter, like a lot of your fans really like treat you as if you're a family member and, and like a sister or a big mm -hmm. sister or a cousin or whatever, which I think is amazing. And so for you to be so honest and organic about your mental health with them and sharing that with them, were you nervous about doing that? Or was it just like, was it freeing for you to be able to say like, this is going on and I'm working on it and all that kind of stuff. Cause I think a lot of people will take away from what you've done to help yourself and maybe help themselves. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that's the reason I like started talking about it. It is, it is uncomfortable. It is scary. Um, I'm trying very hard now to like speak about it in a nonchalant way and not make it a big deal. Um, you know, with just people in my life or in interviews, like I just try to like say it in passing um, because I feel like that's how you make it something that is normal because it is normal and it should feel normal. It shouldn't feel uncomfortable or scary, you know? Um, and so I think it's just a matter of like talking about it as much as possible until it feels like just a regular conversation. Um, but I feel like the benefit of doing that is what you said. It's just knowing that there's somebody on the other end that's going to be listening that, um, you know, is just looking for somebody to relate to you know and if we're all not talking about it then everyone thinks that they're alone in it you know and it's not until you like watch an interview or read like a reddit thread like i remember when i was going through things i would like go on reddit and like try to find people who were feeling what i was feeling just so i could know that i wasn't crazy you know so i feel like there, there's always people looking for that and if i could be that person for others like that's awesome that's the most important thing so I try to be as open about it as possible so you dropped two singles at the at the same time sweet dream and shapeshifter was that like a, a huge conscious decision to kind of come out with both because usually people drop one at a time even if it's three weeks in between each other but you were bam both of them so why did you do that I did that because this album feels like it has two kind of running themes there's a lot of light and a lot of dark there's a lot of opposites um you can hear it sonically there's like up-tempo stuff but then like down tempo stuff even lyrically there's like sadder ones there's happier ones so it felt like there's like duality sort of happening throughout the whole project so it felt like the only way to represent that would be to just put out two songs at once were you writing the album like during lockdown like or did you get some of it done before because i'm wondering how you were able to or were you able to go to los angeles and work i'm just wondering if you did stuff from canada like how that all went down um yeah a lot of it was was done remotely because it was like mid pandemic so I did a lot of it in my bedroom um and then when things kind of calmed down I went to I drove up to Miami uh, not Miami oh my god Montreal <laughs> not Miami I drove to Montreal um with my friend and I I did like a studio session we just like got everybody tested and I worked with a couple of producers down there and that was it like it was just done in Toronto and, and Montreal pretty much for the most part and it was strange to do that because I'm used to like traveling or like hiding away in LA or something but you know this pandemic did not allow for that but I'm kind of glad because it made me like work from home and it allowed me to like work with more Canadians which is cool. Being from Montreal, I am thrilled to know that some of this album was like written here. This is amazing. And and so what do you feel about Montreal? Because I'm sure you got to maybe go out a little bit, maybe see a little bit of things, even if we were you know, still in protocol. So what what's your your favorite thing about Montreal? I genuinely love it there. I feel like it, I, I'm just obsessed with Montreal. I feel like the food is incredible. The the environment. I, I, I love going to old Montreal because it feels like I'm in Europe. And like there's there's nothing I love more than like a cobblestone road and like just a coffee, you know, like that's just my I feel like that's where I belong. And going there is like my way of just feeling like 
I'm in like a, a storybook, you know? So I, I love going there. I feel like it's just, I feel so happy when I'm there genuinely. And the, the people are so kind, like all the fans, every time I play a show there, like my band and I, we just get so emotional because it's, there's so much energy and love and it, it feels really awesome. Like I love playing there. That's perfect. Well, I'm happy to know this and your Montreal fans are freaking out. That's for sure. Um, I did want to ask you too, um, with regards to Paw Patrol, can you share your exciting news? Cause this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I got to make a song, write, write a song for the new Paw Patrol movie. So, uh, I feel like I should be apologizing to parents everywhere because my voice is going to be probably playing on rotation again first Moana and then this um but it's it was so exciting I like got sent the scene that they wanted me to write for and I, I had never done that before like I, I wrote for a specific scene um in this movie and it was like so heartwarming to watch and I love I love tapping into um sentiments that relate to to kids and like that are able to teach kids something i feel like it's so important and that's where like people develop you know so i, I wanted to like write something that would hopefully be helpful for them you know so and also like i mean the parents and anyone watching i feel like we could all relate to certain sentiments in life no matter how old we are so i try to do that with, with this song that's awesome uh, just a couple of quick questions i have to ask you because i don't think i've ever asked you this before where were you and how did you feel the first time that you heard your song on the radio which i'm assuming would be here yeah, where was I? You know what? I actually wasn't here. I was in, I think, somewhere in Florida because I was doing radio promo. At this point, I had like I was going around to every radio station in the States with my guitar, like playing them here, the song, trying to get them to play it on the radio. Like it was like old school we really had to work from the bottom you know it was one of those songs that people didn't really believe in so i was like you know strumming for everybody like basically busking at these radio stations trying to get people to play it and so i was in between cities doing that um it was like my uh someone from my label keith um and my dad and we were all just like shoved in this little van and we were just driving to the next city and i heard it on the radio and i was like we were all like oh my god like this is crazy because it, i i finally realized like wow this is like worth something and all this hard work you know means something and people are listening and people are caring so i was like freaking out it felt so wild it was so crazy I recently interviewed JP Sachs and he said that you're on his wish list of collaborators. Who does Alessia Cara want to work with? Oh my God, cool. I would love to work with him. I think he's so great. He's such a good songwriter. Um, that would be amazing, fellow Canadian. I would love to work with Anderson Pack. He's legendary. Um, or Chris Martin or Lennon Stella, another Canadian. I feel like she's, she's so good. I would love to write with her. So many people. I'm like a fan of so many people. And I, I rarely like I don't I rarely write with other people. So it'd be nice to like expand. Okay, cool. And last question, where do you keep your Grammy and do you ever look at it? <laughs> um, I my parents actually keep it like on their like mantle of the, their fireplace. It, it's funny because like at the Grammys, my mom was sitting behind Lord and Lord turned to my mom when I won, like when I was up there and she's like, you have to keep the first one. Like my parents kept the first one. So my mom was like, Lord told me I have to keep <laughs> the Grammy. <laughs> so they have my first one. Um, I don't know if it'll be my only one, but they do have it um, on this like mantle. And I see it all the time because I like part-time live here I have my own place but I, I'm here all the time and I, I see it all the time it's so funny like every time my family comes over they like ask to hold it and touch it and it's it's really funny but they're very proud <laughs> awesome well we're so proud of you and you know best of luck we cannot wait for the album we hope you're going to tour too and thanks so much for hanging out with us 
Thank you. Thanks for talking to me. I can't wait to come back. I, like I said, I love it there. So hopefully I'll be there soon. Perfect. Grammy award-winning artist, Alessia Cara. The Kelly Alexander Show. We are so excited to welcome the multi-talented Jen Arden to the show and getting ready for season three. Jen Arden, how are you? I'm excellent. Yourself? I am perfect and always happy to have you on the show. I wanted to start off by asking you, how did it feel to be back on the set for season three of Jan, especially because since I believe you filmed season two, like the world went sideways? Yeah. I mean, uh, we were certainly used to COVID protocols by the time we started shooting, which was March. So we had really been in that world for a year, like because it, it started the previous March for us. Um, we didn't have one incident. We were happy to put masks on and, you know, social distancing. We had hand washing stations. We were tested probably three times a week. We just didn't have any issues at all, but it felt great to be around people. A lot of us had been in our homes, you know, or maybe our big social outing was the grocery store or something like that. So it certainly was a strange experience, but there was something that felt really familiar about it too. And because of everything that the world has been through over the last 18 months, when you guys did get on set, and obviously even before that, with regards to the writing, was there a, a, like a conscious decision to make sure uh, you brought extra funny this season? I don't know. I, we knew right out of the gate that we didn't want to address COVID in any way, shape or form. So in TV Jan's world, it doesn't exist. It's just not part of the world. But I think everyone was just we wrote the entire season over Zoom. So that was interesting. We didn't quite know what that would look like, you know, just with attention span. And I think people tend to get when you're doing writing sessions, four or five, six hours a day. So we were really mindful about limiting to what that time looked like. We covered the big issues and then we let everybody go off and kind of work on their own. But uh, I, I feel like it doesn't, it looks really good. It doesn't look like we had limited amount of extras on the set or anything like that. And because everybody was tested, we felt really confident about, you know, having a group of people in a room. So we, we feel very fortunate to have been able to go ahead and make the season. It obviously sounds like you're super involved with the script and how everything plays out. Do the writers present to you kind of like ideas how the season or like wants to go or they think it should go and then you kind of yay or nay it? It's actually the opposite. I sit with my co-creators, Leah Lee and Jenica, and we, we hammer out exactly how we want the season to go. So it's, uh, you know, all the big moves, the, the who goes where, what happens to this person, where, where they end up. We kind of do that before we even include the writers into that process. And then we sort of have these big chunks marked out and then we go through and and split them out into episodes and where what happens. So uh, it's it's actually, I, I find it the easiest way of going about it for sure. Now, last year when I had you on the show, we talked about some of your guest stars that you had on then, like Sarah McLaughlin. And I know that this season you've got some great ones coming up, Michael Buble and, and uh, Tegan and Sarah, for example. Um, how, how do you go about choosing who is going to guest on the show with you? I just opened my address book. <laughs> And I literally reach out to people and ask them if, if they'll do it. So that's how it's gone so far. There's no um, agents or managers or anything like that involved. I pretty much send a text or make a phone call and say, hey, you think you can come for a couple of days and do this? And I've been really lucky so far. Perfect. That's awesome. And uh, Tegan and Sarah, I don't think they live in Calgary anymore, but I know they obviously have like Alberta roots. So was it fun to have just the twins on? 
Yeah, we actually did them remotely. We had a crew that actually shot them in Vancouver. Okay. Uh, I, it's, it's a really fun little cameo part, but we, we knew that traveling was kind of an impediment at that point. So there was a local camera crew here that came in and got the thing that we needed from them. And uh, I think it's very on point for them. It's very much their branding. It's very much their mission statement. So I think it, it was easy for them to kind of get behind what this episode is all about. Now that you're in season three of the show, um, and obviously everybody, I think, is pretty settled into their characters and just even how the mechanics of the show runs. Uh, is there something that you know now after having filmed season three that you wish you had known when you were starting to film season one? That's a good question. I don't I don't think so. I I was kind of glad to just be learning as I went along. I, I did not expect to to have you know, all of this information and all of this knowledge when I started down the path in season one, it's a, it's a lot to learn the technical aspect of making television, never mind the creative part where you're, you know, learning 15 pages of dialogue every day. There's all the stuff with continuity and eating in a scene and, or drinking something and hitting your mark when you walk into a room and understanding that you kind of have to be where you are because that's how the cameras stay in focus. And it's just like, Oh my God. And that can overwhelm you. So I'm kind of glad that I was very naive and that I really didn't know anything. I think that was the easiest way to jump into all of this. I know that, you know, obviously I've watched the first two, first two seasons and they were kind enough to send me the first episode of the, of the upcoming season. And one thing that I've remarked a lot about you in this role is that you totally like you remind me of Betty White in a way where you just give yourself up to like giving maximum uh, effort on the comedic aspect of whatever that scene is calling for. Is that a conscious decision on your part or are you just like letting it fly? Well, thank you very much to be used in the same sentence as Ms. White. I just sort of throw it all out there. I rely heavily on, you know, the writers giving me great things to say. And it's so great when you put on the outfit that you're supposed to be in and that you're on the set, all of that stuff leads itself to just feeling like you're actually in a moment. And I think it's always funny when you can make fun of yourself. Like I certainly don't spend any time trying to look good. Or, you know, I'm not saying to the makeup artist, no, do my hair like this. And my makeup's got, I look terrible pretty much 95% of the time on this series. And it's probably kind of shocking for people because my hair always looks nutty and I'm, my, my clothes are pretty horrific. And, but I, I like it. It's so great to just liberate myself from worrying about what angle I'm being shot from, or if I've got three chins or how this looks like you just have to let go of it all. And I think that's where the humor is. It, it's, it's all based on uh, something really real and true. And, and I honestly think people see that. I saw on social media that you posted a picture of being back in the studio. And I hear you're working on new music. I'm sure you can't talk much about it. but uh, No, I'm just, I'm just mixing a new record now. Okay. Um, and it's going to be out in the spring of next year, early next year. Okay. I've already shot the cover photography and things like that. There's, there's a lot of lead up uh, going into a new record. There's just so much footwork to be done, which is, it's, all, it's like making a turkey dinner all freaking day. And then people eat it in five minutes. And you're, you're sitting there with all these dishes going, what happened? This took me all freaking day. And making a record is like that too. And for that matter, making a television series is like that. You spend an inordinate amount of time 
putting this together. There's hundreds of people working on it. And then eight weeks go by and it's over. You're like, oh my God, the season's over. Now we've got to think about the next season and writing that and filming that. And it's sort of, uh, that's life. This, this never ending wheel that we're on. I know you're also heading out on tour and that you're going to be uh, here in Montreal at the MTELUS on Friday, May 20th of next year. Um, I feel like it's been a while since you've been to Montreal. How excited are you to come back? I'm so thrilled. In, in a way, I feel like a uh, hundred years has gone by. And in, in another aspect, I feel like five minutes has gone by. It feels very normal to me to be working again and to be doing things. And yeah, the circumstances are a, a slightly different, but human beings are built for change. We're built to overcome adversity. We're built to work together. Um, that's what we do. We solve problems and we overcome obstacles. I've never asked you this question, but I've always wanted to find out what you think about this. Where were you and how did you feel when you uh, heard your first song on the radio, like your first song that, that you put out? I was driving in an old car in 1993, a Ford Pinto, I believe it was. I was going across a, a, a dam in Calgary. It was called the Glenmore Dam. And there's this road that goes over the middle of it. And uh, a song called Will You Remember Me came on. And I pulled over. I pulled the car over. I don't know why. On a busy road, I pulled the car over and I, I just stopped the car and listened to it. And I just couldn't believe that, A, I had a record deal and that I had a record out and that it was being, you know, played on the radio and you know, the DJ saying my name was just like, ah, it was, it was amazing. The current pop landscape in Canada right now, we, we've, we play Sean Hook, like on our station, for example, I know, you know him very well and Tegan and Sarah. Um, and then there, the, the list goes on, Scott Hellman, like everybody that, that is doing well. Who are you listening to right now on the Canadian pop landscape that you're happy with and, and like, you know, supportive and all that sort of good stuff? Yeah, I'm sort of old school. Yeah, I, I listen to a, a guy named Ludovico Anaudi constantly. He's a piano player from Italy, a Dua Lupa. I, I think she's amazing. I, I like the Justin Bieber stuff. I've liked all the records that he's done, believe it or not. And as someone who has had, you know, to work their butt off, but has achieved such success in Canada... What would you say to an up-and-comer right now who is wanting to head out into the music business in, the, in our country? Well, don't worry about failing. Just, just get up and do your thing. You're, you're going to fail more than you succeed. And I, I think anyone who's in the arts has to understand that talent is kind of an obsolete thing because it's, t it's, it's art. So 10 people might love what you do and 10 people might can't stand what you do. So it can't have anything to do with that. It has to be you. Please don't make fame your main objective. Please make it about the work. The work will get you to where you're going. And you have to be resilient and you have to be persistent. Persistence is bigger than anything else in music because people fall by the wayside. And I think the big challenge is once you get that first record deal or get a single out, that's when the work starts. Because in the arts, you are not what you did. You are what you will do. So you could be promoting a new record in a radio station the day your new record comes out and the DJ will say to you, what's next? And that is constantly a reminder to me about the fragility of any kind of job in the arts. It's just about plowing forward and creating things and trying to make a difference in the world. But yeah, fame, don't, don't do it to be famous because you're going to be super disappointed. Have to ask you this because you mentioned it before. Were you uh, choosing your guests for the uh, the upcoming season? Um, who's the coolest person in your phone apart from your family and friends? I have to ask that. 
I I don't have that many people in my phone. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm a, uh, to be honest, I'm going to have to say it's a tie between Olivia Newton-John and Bette Midler. Perfect. And last question, any message for your Montreal fans? I love Montreal. I can't wait to come and eat bagels and hang out. You guys are some of the best dressed people in this country. I don't know why. I don't know what it is about Montreal, but I can sit on a park bench and just watch footwear. Wow, those are cool. Yeah. Oh, great. And scarves. You Montrealers are scarf people. Yeah. Scarf people. Remember that. I told you that. <laughs> Perfect. Jan, you rock. Thank you so much for this. Thank you very much. Make sure to check out the third season of Jan on CTV. The Kelly Alexander Show. We are very excited to welcome Canadian DJ and producer Takis, who hails from Winnipeg, Manitoba, but has spent time working on his music career in both Los Angeles and Toronto. Takis has released an incredible song with fellow Canadian pop hitmaker Jamie Fine and U.S. artist Brandon Burnett called All Time, and it is receiving a ton of support right across the country. Takis, thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you for having me, and thank you for supporting the record. Honestly, Montreal's a beautiful place, and the fact that you guys have been supporting it and being one of my number one champions across the country, it really means the world to me. How did this collaboration come about, and did you already have the song, or did all three of you create it together? So I've been secretly Jamie's like number one fan for like five years. <laughs> and, <laughs> Great. And... By the time we met, I had to, like, disguise that I knew, like, every word to all of her songs. I had to, like, kind of act cool, you know, because we're working together now. But I remember hearing in an Uber a song called Ain't Easy, Jamie Fine and Elijah Woods. It was, like, the number one record in Canada probably four years ago. And I just wondered, who is this person? This voice is so powerful. This doesn't sound like what I usually hear on the radio. I need to work with this person somehow, some way. And uh, probably six months ago, I heard through the grapevines, we have a lot of mutual friends, that she was not only aware of what I was doing, but a fan of one of my songs called Wait For Me. And the moment I heard that she was like aware and kind of listens to my music too, I reached out. We had a very rough, very rough demo of just uh, the hook, the chorus part. And I asked her if she wanted to be a part of the record, and I explained the vision. And thankfully... She replied. How has the pandemic influenced you as an artist and the music that you're producing right now? Oh, man. See, <laughs> see, I want to give like a really bright response, but it's been really tough. It has been extremely tough. I'm a DJ first. I'm a DJ first, second, I'm a music producer and a songwriter. So as a DJ, I make songs to perform live. I test my music before it comes out live to see what if the crowd reacts. I love performing and playing shows all around i've been all around the world djing so that that was very very challenging and typically when i have a song like this all time it's doing really well i would immediately say okay let's book 10 shows across canada let's meet the people that like the song let's promote the song in person let's meet fans so it's been incredibly challenging but it's something i mean we're all kind of going through and all time especially that was our attempt to kind of write a bright song because i was writing a lot of dark music and a lot of dark demos and i got to the point where i said you know what i gotta turn this off i need to i need to imagine that things are going to be brighter this summer this upcoming summer things 
I'm going to say it right now, are going to be brighter. I don't know if there's any evidence to support that, but at least when I'm alone by myself, I tell myself this summer is going to be uh, an amazing, bright summer. So that's why we wrote All Time, a happy song saying things are going to be fine. But I would be lying to you if I said the pandemic hasn't been uh, incredibly challenging, you know, as a DJ. That's, that's my life, and I miss it every single day. Because you mentioned that you're a DJ first, I'm wondering, have you been able to, and maybe you're friends with them already, but like, have you been able to maybe commiserate with like a Frank Walker or a Sean Frank or a Loud Luxury, who I think are also in similar boats that you're in? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned all three of those. All three I I consider friends and, you know, possibly I have some demos with the names you mentioned that might come out one day. But, you know, I look at Sean Frank as kind of like an OG and a legend in the Canadian pop dance space. He's been a part of some of the biggest records in dance music history, and he's a legend. Uh, Frank Walker, he's a friend. We talk all the time, and we've talked a lot about getting a record when the time is right. And Loud Luxury, I knew them before they released Body, and I would hang out with them in Toronto. And I'm a super fan of Loud Luxury, especially because those guys don't get the credit they deserve for how good of songwriters they are they know how to write such incredible catchy pop dance records so all three that you named i'm i'm glad that you thought of them because they they deserve a lot of credit and they're really brilliant and i'm sure i'm going to do songs with all three when the time is right now i read this and you can confirm or deny it but that you decided to stay off social media for an extended period of time so true or false and if it is true why did you decide to stay off of it and why did you come back So I took two years off, and I know that sounds so dramatic. I took from 23 to 25, so very strange years. And two years, yeah, it sounds weird. I get it. But I made a decision that I was going to spend 30 days off social media, rethink what I wanted to do creatively, what kind of artist I wanted to be, what kind of person I wanted to be, what stories I wanted to tell in my music. And 30 days in... It wasn't that big of a deal, and I wrote one of the biggest songs of my career called Wait For Me in the first 30 days offline. And I said, okay, well, that kind of worked really well. Let me do like 60 days. And then 60 days later, I started building bigger connections, working with artists I never thought I'd be able to work with. 90 days. And just kept going where I said, you know what, I'm going to finish the whole album offline. It's going to be great for my anxiety levels, and it's going to allow me to fully focus and be the pure artist I've always wanted to be to work on this album. And one of the big things, like I get a lot on, uh, a lot of people message me on Twitter and even some people on radio, they've said, Hey, your song waits for me or your latest song all time. These are like guitar driven. They're kind of electronic drops, but they're also acoustic. It's not what we usually hear on radio. And I hear that a lot. And my songs, even the tempo of my songs, like they're down tempo electronic records. There's always live guitars. And the only way I've made those songs is by being off social media because the tactics when I was scrolling nonstop, and you mentioned the guys like Sean Frank, Frank Walker, Loud Luxury, they're my friends. I follow them on Instagram. And before I took that break, I would be on Instagram. I'd see what they're doing. I'd see what songs they put out. I'd see what's successful for them. And subconsciously, I would be influenced by them. I would say, well, it's working for them, so maybe I should do a version of that so it could work for me. And next thing you know, you're you're not even your own artist anymore. You're just an accumulation of what was on your timeline before you drove to the studio. Um, so the uniqueness of the songs that I'm making, at least sonically, 
those come from just pure staying offline saying this could be cool let's give this a try this sound could be cool let's give it a try it might not work um because I was heavily influenced when I was on social media, looking at what my friends were doing and try to emulate that. And that just doesn't make great art. If you want to, you know, if you want to make, if you want to make a lot of luxury song, just listen to a lot of luxury. They're great. <laughs> they have their own songs, but you don't have to hear my, um, my watered down version of that. But if you want to hear a Takis song that isn't influenced by everything else that's popular, uh, you're only going to get that when I'm off Instagram 24-7. I also am on Instagram right now. I get, I have a song out. I'm very limited and selective with how often I'm on there. I'm in, I'm out, I stay off it. But I also do understand that I it matters to connect with fans. And I have a song that I'm incredibly proud of. So it's not like I'm against it. I just felt like creatively... I did my best work when I wasn't heavily influenced by all my friends who are incredibly talented. And in the back of my head, I just wanted to copy them. Well, I think it was a brilliant decision to do that. And yeah, I just think more people should actually take that information to heart, whether they're a musician or not, because I think taking a break actually lets you come back to who you are because we are so influenced Mm -hmm. by, by social media. So that's amazing. I have to ask you this. When and where were you the first time you heard your song play on the radio? Oh, I think it was in an Uber on for all time. I think it was in an Uber. And, you know, I've been talking about this a lot, like the feeling I played a lot of shows and, you know, I've, I've played probably like 40 shows in Vegas and I played some of the biggest festivals in the world. And I struggle to keep that feeling of nerves and excitement in shows because it's, it's almost so automatic. I'm excited. Maybe there's 1% of nerves, but I struggle to keep that, uh, enthusiasm when I was doing so many shows pre-pandemic. With radio, it's very bizarre, and it's like the only thing in my life that every time I randomly hear my song on the radio, it gives me the same feeling. Like, it's the only thing in my life where I've now I've heard it probably 10, 12 songs, 10 to 12 times uh, this month, and every single time it feels the same. So there's some bizarre thing that happens when you unexpectedly hear your song on the radio um and it it hasn't gone away yet which is really cool i hope that feeling stays isn't that cool the power radio still resonates like just right inside us it's awesome it does it's and that's another thing i've been thinking about a lot like we we've hit some radio charts and they've been uh really really awesome and meaningful but like i've hit spotify charts in multiple countries and i've hit apple music charts in like 60 countries but there's something and maybe it's maybe it's because I'm older. Maybe it's because I came up on radio. But there's just something special about the establishment of of live broadcasting and and hearing your song and not expecting it. You didn't click it on a playlist. It just came on. And there's curation and there's hosts that are speaking live and they might stutter, but they might also have a great point. There's there's just something. Uh, there, I have a certain romance to radio for for some strange reason, and the the success of this record on radio feels different than some of the streaming success I've had, and and that's really really cool. Well, that's awesome. And as an announcer for Virgin Radio Montreal, I can tell you I am very excited every time we get to play All Time. Well, thank you very much. And on a side note, I've been to Montreal once for 24 hours, and I played a show at I believe it's called New Gas City. And it was freezing cold. It was like February and it was so cold. And I didn't know Montreal got that cold. And I thought no one was going to be at the show because it was a blizzard. And I came out and it was one of the busiest, funnest shows I've ever played in my career. And that was my one 24-hour experience in Montreal. And I just had to 
shout out that venue for for something that's been memorable my whole career yeah new city gas is awesome and i'm not surprised that you had a bump and show because montrealers we don't care about weather we get out there and party so <laughs> that's really awesome <laughs> it was literally so cold and everybody showed up it was bizarre what message do you have for your montreal fans because they are happy and healthy and growing for you montreal from that show alone i've played one show the electronic music fans are incredible. You guys come out like I've never seen before in a Canadian market. I can't wait to play that venue again. And I'm just so grateful that, that Virgin Radio Montreal is supporting this record. And there are many more to come. Awesome. Takis, thank you so much for this. Thank you. That's Canadian DJ and producer Takis. Again, hit up his website, takismusic.com, to learn all about him and grab all of his social media handles. The Kelly Alexander Show. As always, thank you so much for spending time with us on the show this week. We always appreciate it, especially as we are celebrating the 12th anniversary of The Kelly Alexander Show. We also want to thank our guests, Alessia Cara, Jan Arden, and Takis. My thanks going out to our super producer, Adam Brisson, for being amazing, as usual. And don't forget that you can listen to us on all the major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. And we'd also love for you to grab all of our social media handles by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have a great week. You and I will chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.